who should be leading the local church that's on the corner of Church Street and 2nd Avenue in any given city? The pastor? The deacon board? The elder board? A certain group of select committees? Uh, the congregation? Some form of hierarchy, maybe bishops or cardinals or the pope? Maybe the pastor's wife. If you can imagine who might be leading a church, it's probably been done or is being done. But the real question is, what does the New Testament say about church leadership? Please open your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'd like to just read these first four verses to uh, begin this morning. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Early in this series on biblical church leadership, we looked at the scripture and saw that these three titles of elder, overseer, and pastor, that they all relate to the same person. We saw that the title elder is a reference to the character of the man. Of course, elder literally meaning someone who is, is old or older. And in the the term speaks of the leader's spiritual maturity. Last week, we actually looked at the qualifications in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. And those qualifications demonstrate that a qualified elder must be a spiritually mature man. And the other two words referring to the man who holds the position of elder refer to his function, what an elder actually does. And the function of an elder really fits under these two broad categories of these two words. And of course those words are that uh, shepherd and, or pastor and overseer. And this morning we'll examine these two functions of an elder. And we'll look at elder first, excuse me, we'll look at overseer first. Because an elder is to oversee the local church. He's to oversee the local church. We've seen this word overseer um, several times, so we won't spend a lot of time in, in exactly what the word means, but just to draw your attention to it, in, in Acts 20, 28, Paul's speaking to the elders, right? And, and he says in that verse that the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He's made you overseers. And then in 1 Timothy 3, 2, of course, as as Paul lays out the qualifications for an elder, he 
calls them there in that passage an overseer. He says an overseer must be above reproach. And he goes on and obviously gives many more qualifications there. And then in this passage that I just read in 1 Peter chapter 5, we see in verse 2, um, he tells them, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, the verb form of the word. So as we talked about in the past, the word, the Greek word is episkopos, and, and it literally means one who watches over, one who supervises, one who leads and gives direction. So an elder is a spiritual leader who is watching over, who's supervising the spiritual life of the church. He's giving spiritual direction and leadership to the church where he is an elder. There are two different words that are used here um, to really reference the idea of an elder giving oversight. And the first one is this word overseer. And, and it really, I, I think the best way to, to, if you want to put it in another word other than overseeing, it would be superintending. Um, it, the word literally does mean to look after. So the elder is someone who is looking after the spiritual needs of the church. Because guidance needs to be given in, in any local church. Uh, many decisions have to be made. It, and it's not only pertaining to, to teaching and, and preaching the word, um, but also other ministries of the church in, in many other areas. Finances, facilities, administrating, help, helping resolve conflict between members, and a, and a whole host of other things that need some supervision so there's this idea of super, superintending, but there's another word really that, that it implies ruling. Um, and, and it just literally means that, to rule over. Uh, this word is actually translated manage. We saw this in the qualifications in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. Um, the, the elder must be able to manage or rule over his own children and his own household. We saw that in, in both of those passages. This is the same word, translated manage. Um, and because Paul argues if he, if he can't do that, how could he be expected to, to manage, to rule over the church? So the idea portrayed in this word is, is exercising authority. Just like a man has authority in his home, over his wife and over his children, this word is used for an elder in the church. Uh, you see this word used in 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. It's just translated over, but the Greek word is the same word as translated manage in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, where Paul says in 1 Timothy 5, 12, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you or rule over you, is, is the word rule over you in the Lord and admonish you. Uh, 1 Timothy 5.17, let the elders who rule, there's that same word again, let them be considered worthy of double honor. So, so the elders who are laboring in the church are given authority to rule over the church. That scares a lot of people. I hope it scares you 
because you know it, it, it literally means to rule but we, we have to understand from other scriptures right even what Paul gives us what that implies because we're not talking about the rulership of a, of a despot we're not talking about a dictator I know Peter explains what the elders overseeing both the superintending and the ruling should look like right here in this passage that we read in first Peter 5 in verses 1 through 3 he says I exhort the elders among you and I'll shorten it for us but he says shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight not domineering over those in your charge but being examples to the flock so an elder or a plurality of elders they are not to use their authority to lord it over the church an elder is not a master over the other people in the church the other believers He's to be a servant, and actually we're going to spend a, a whole um, message on servant leadership. Because a servant leadership is both for both elders and deacons. But he, he's to be a servant of the church, and as Peter says here, he's to be an example to them. So, so that means an elder should never try to force his own personal preferences on the church. And I think that's very important to, to understand. The oversight that elders exercise is to be for the benefit of the local church. And the oversight that they exercise needs to be a scriptural oversight. Not going beyond what's written in the scriptures. So it's very important that an elder in his supervision, in his ruling... Is not, I mean, when you look at these qualifications that we looked at last week, you understand the importance of those things. You don't want an immature Christian man supervising your local church, ruling over the local church. You want somebody who is able to, who, who has demonstrated that they are spiritually mature. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in the future. But there is this sense of, of ruling. And again, it's not, you know, and this is where, you know, we run into trouble. I don't want to spend too much time here. But this is where we run into trouble. Right? When a pastor decides his own personal preferences, or we could put it this way, his own personal applications of Scripture. When he decides that they're just as important as Scripture, and, and he starts putting that burden on the church and saying, this is what you will do. Because this is, this is the way I apply scripture. Um, then, then he's gone over the intended rulership, supervision that God has given him in a church. I, I did really have a good example of this as, you know, when I was training for the ministry in the years that I was on the mission field as a missionary and, and, and the pastor that I had. And he, he never, and I went to him many, many times for counsel over the years, before I was a missionary, while I was a missionary, and after I was a missionary. And, and he never, he never lorded it over me. He, he 
listened to me. He talked with me. He, he said, this is what the scripture says. And he guided me according to the scriptures. And that, that had a profound effect on me. And, uh, you know, understanding, you know, this is, what a, this is what a mature spiritual leader, an elder, does. This is how he supervises and pastors, for that matter. Which brings us to that second point. An elder is to shepherd or to pastor the local church. Um, again, we've looked at this word. The noun form is only used once in Ephesians 4.11. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Um, This word shepherd. Uh, But the verb form is used several times. We'll just note a couple of them here again back in Acts 20.28. Where Paul says, pay careful attention, speaking to the elders. Careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To care for. And that word care for is is the verb form of the word pastor. It could be translated to pastor, to shepherd the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And of course, again, in this passage, we started off with shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So a shepherd is a pastor, right? We, we, we understand this. And in Portuguese, um, a pastor is, you know, they, they call a shepherd a pastor. They only have one word. It's the same in Spanish, right? If, you, if you're talking about the guy who's standing in the pulpit leading a church, you call him the pastor. If, if you're talking about the guy that's out there with a sheep, you call him the pastor. Um, it's the same word. And it's the same word in the Greek. And we all know what a shepherd is, and I don't think the, from what I understand, being a shepherd hasn't changed a lot over the centuries. Um, a shepherd is, um, it was in Bible times, and it was one who cared for the sheep. He's the one who makes sure that they are fed, that they have water to drink, that they're sheltered. He's the one that protects them from predators. And like a literal shepherd of literal sheep, the elder as a pastor has certain responsibilities to the people in his local church. And we'll, we'll look at these. First is the preaching and teaching ministry. Of, of course, this is the feeding of the flock. It's, it's giving them spiritual food, milk and meat, so they can grow. And to help them. And it's interesting here that we see that every elder must be able to teach the word of God. Every elder. In 1 Timothy 3.2, this is one of the qualifications. He must be able to teach. Well, the question is, what, what does that mean? Well, if you'll note... In 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus 1, where these qualifications are given, you'll note that Paul doesn't mention preaching. He doesn't say they have to be able to preach. He says they have to be able to teach. So we see here that an elder doesn't have to be a a skilled public speaker who can stand up and, and preach a, uh, a message 
from the Bible. That's not what it's talking about. Now, he may be able to do that, and some of them, as we'll see, should be able to do that. But he doesn't have to be what we think of as a preacher. Being able to teach means that one can communicate sound doctrine in a way that profits the church. The word teach literally means to instruct doctrinally. Any elder, therefore, must be able to, at least privately, to give doctrinal instruction to a member of the flock. He needs to be able to, to faithfully explain and apply the Bible so that the listeners grow in their knowledge of Scripture and are admonished to grow in their love for God and others. If you look back, we looked at this last week, but I'll just briefly mention it here in Titus chapter 1. This is what he says, right? Um, and, and we'll look at this in a little more detail in a minute. But in verse 9, one of the qualifications of the elder is he must... Hold firmly to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. This is what it means apt to teach. This is a further explanation here in Titus of what he says in 1 Timothy 3, apt to teach. He needs to be able to know the word of God well enough to be able to communicate it to others, at least on an individual basis, probably in a small group setting, at least, too, to be able to communicate the Word of God, what it says, and how it applies to someone's life in order to help them in their spiritual life. So that's the first thing we see about teaching and preaching, that, that every elder must be able to teach the Word of God. But we also see that some elders are occupied, occupied with teaching and preaching. Um, in 1 Timothy 5.17, Paul writes, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So according to the wording of this text here, in this verse, it says all elders rule... Apparently some rule well, but a smaller portion of, of the elders, like a, a subset of the elders, they devote their labors to teaching and preaching to that side of the elder ministry. Remember, elder being an elder has these two main functions. Overseeing. And pastoring, shepherding. So every overseer is, is involved in ruling and supervising, overseeing. And every elder needs to be able to teach the word of God. But there are some elders who devote their lives to this ministry, this work, this labor of preaching and teaching. And in the early church, already when, when Paul is writing these words, there were elders who were supported financially by their churches to shepherd and to oversee them. And, and according to this verse again, 1 Peter five seventeen, these elders were those who devoted their lives to a teaching and preaching ministry. 
There were other elders who, who were given to the oversight of the church, and they were able to teach, but they didn't make their living by being an elder. And again, I know some churches call these lay elders, which is probably not a bad term, you know, seeing we understand it. But, but there, is a, there is a specification here that certain elders are called out and gifted to this preaching and teaching ministry. There are also specific types of teaching and preaching. Um, and we really see this in Titus 1.9, the, the, the verse. We see a couple of things here in Titus 1.9, um, which I just read. If it's on the screen or not, there it is. Um, you, you see here, it, it speaks of exhortation to believers. He says he must be able to give instruction. So again, we're, we're, back, to the, we're, we're back to every elder again. Every elder should be able to do this. This is one of the qualifications. Um, he, he should be able to give instruction. Now that word is a, a much used word, translated give instruction in the, in the ESV, but, but it's the word parakaleo that you've heard. Um, you've heard me say that before. You probably know what the word means. Literally it means one called alongside. It's the same word. Uh, the, the noun form is paraclete, which speaks of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and it's used often in Scripture, and in the context in which it used gives it a, a slightly different meaning. But, but here, definitely, the, the meaning is, is to exhort, to urge, to, to encourage. So, so the elder must be able to exhort others to righteousness by giving them the Scriptures. By explaining the scriptures to him. This is, this is a part of the teaching. And the preaching ministry. But not only that. But we see here in Titus 1.9 also. That he needs to be able to rebuke those. Who contradict sound doctrine. Uh, this word rebuke is interesting. It's, it's the word. It, it means convict. It's the same word Jesus used. When he said. Which of you convinces me of sin? It's the same word. And it's always used in the New Testament for speaking of someone who is doing wrong. It means, it's more than just to reprimand. It means to bring truth convincingly home to one's conscience. Um, Paul says in Ephesians 5.11 that um, the unfruitful works of darkness are to be reproved. Same word in such a way. Uh, we'll, we'll look at this uh, in another message in First Timothy 5.20. A church elder who sins is to be rebuked in this way. So according to Titus 1.9... There, there needs to be, the, the elder needs to, in, in his ability to teach, he needs to be able to both exhort other believers to do right according to the word, but he also needs to rebuke those who are promoting um, unhealthy doctrine. 
And you'll note here, again, if you look at this verse, let me just read it again. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. What's he using? Tell me. Look at that verse. What is the elder to use to exhort and to rebuke? What is it? Yeah. The scriptures, right? He's not going to do it from his own opinions. He's not going to do it from just skillful reasoning. It's the scriptures. He needs to know the scriptures and be able to apply the scriptures so that he can help Christians and so he can rebuke those who don't believe the sound doctrine. And, and there's one other one we'll, we'll take note of, and, and there are others as well, but these are the main ones, and, and, and these can be seen in other places as well. But that of admonishing, which is different than exhortation, and it's different than rebuke. In Acts 20.31, of course, this is the passage we've been looking at where Paul is speaking to the elders at Ephesus, and, and, and he's telling them what he did when he was among them. He's, he's telling them what his example was. And he says in Acts 20, 31, Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish every one of you with tears. And this word admonish, it literally means to, to place on the mind. So it refers to calling a person's attention to something that he ought to think about. It can be translated warn. And Paul did this in the, in the church there at Ephesus when he was there. It says he did it day and night. He did it incessantly. Uh, he did it with tears. He, he, he was very, very sincere in what he was doing. And it was part of his example to the elders. And this is part of the teaching ministry of an elder. To admonish. To remind people. To remind other believers of the truth. To, to warn them if they're going in the wrong direction. So this is a, this is a big part of, of, of being an elder and pastoring and shepherding, that, that you're giving the flock the food, the spiritual food, which is the word of God, that you're able to explain it and you're able to apply it. And every elder needs to be able to do that on at least in a one-to-one situation. We also see that protecting the church from spiritual predators is um, what one of the parts of, of shepherding. Um, Paul says there in, in the Acts 20 passage, again, verses 29 through 30, he says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. So he, he warns about two different predi- kinds of predators here. He, he warns of wolves from outside the church. These who are deceitful opponents of the church who try to infiltrate the church. Jesus called them wolves in sheep's clothing. They're deceitful and they and they... And they try to creep into the church. And, and of course, there are so many things said about this, uh, both by Jesus and by the apostles in their writings. 
um, that there are wolves. There are, there are those who want to consume God's people. But he also mentions those that are within, false teachers from within the church. Um, and, and we know that false teaching wreaks havoc in a church, in individuals' lives and in, in the church as a body. Be, because you, your doctrine determines your conduct. What you believe determines how you behave, how, what you do. And so there's this, there's, there are false teachers that, that rise up within the church itself. And those false teachers, they have to be, they have to be put down. Um, he, Paul talks about this in Titus, right? Uh, you can go back and reread that. But this is one of, the, one of the duties of the shepherd as an elder. He, he's, he's responsible to re- protect the flock from those who oppose Christ in his church. He's responsible to protect the flock from false teachers and their false teaching that they bring in. He's also responsible to pray for the needs of the congregation. And, and again, there, there's much on this, and we're just going to, to briefly mention it. There are, there are spiritual prayers Think about the Paul, Paul's prayers. I just mentioned one here, Colossians 1, 9 through 11. I mean, in almost every one of his epistles, there are prayers that he makes for those churches that he's writing to. And, and uh, you read through them, and, and he's praying specifically for their spiritual needs, for their spiritual lives. But then there are also sp- specific prayers in in even about physical needs. Uh, you know the passage there in, in James chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. I'll, I'll read it for you. Is anyone among you sick? Speaking of physical illness. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working so so there's much we could say here uh, but but what's obvious is that praying for the congregation is one of the chief responsibilities of the elder you know what any man any pastor any any elder is so limited, right? He, he, he's a human being. But, but one thing the elder can always do is to go to the one who is unlimited, to God himself, in prayer for, for the needs of those in the congregation. Because even, you know, so I, I'm, I'm a pastor here. I mean, there, there's only so much I can do for you, right? Um, I mean, I'm... I'm as limited as you are, basically. I mean, there's no difference. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm shepherding, I'm overseeing, but, you know, we, we all have access to the same God, and, and he's, you know, this is one of the, the best ministries that a pastor can have, an elder, is, is to pray. Whether it's physical needs or spiritual needs or, or whatever other kinds of needs there are, 
is to go to God on the people's behalf. Cry out to God. He's the one who's got to ultimately provide, ultimately heal, ultimately help an individual to to get victory over sin. So this is a this is a, a wonderful part of the ministry of an elder. So the function of being a shepherd or pastor is, is to care for, to shepherd the sheep that are under his care. And again, I'll point this out. We, we touched on this in the past, but it's to care for the church. The, these are the Lord's sheep. This is the flock of God that the elder is called to shepherd. It includes feeding them spiritual food from the word of God. And it also includes protecting them from spiritual predators and false teachers who would seek to lead them astray with false doctrine or destroy them. So here, here's really, as, as we bring this to toward the end, um, elders really need to understand what their function is. And so does the congregation. You see, elders are under-shepherds of the great shepherd. And they're overseers for the sovereign overseer. And, and that's our memory verse, right, for, for this month, 1 Peter 2.25. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So Peter here refers to the Lord Jesus as the shepherd of our souls. He's the one who cares for us. He's the one who provides for us. He's the one who protects us. He's the one to whom by his grace we have returned. And Peter, of course, is referring back here to Isaiah 53, 6, right? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. He's turning back to that passage where, where the prophet writes about our great need before he writes about the deliverer, the savior, the suffering savior, the Messiah. We read this morning in John 10, Jesus refers to himself as the great, excuse me, as the good shepherd. Peter here in this passage in chapter 5 verse 4 calls Jesus the chief shepherd. The writer of Hebrews refers to him in Hebrews 13, 20 as the great shepherd. This is who Jesus is. He's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. And the function of the elder as an under shepherd is to direct Christ's sheep to him, the great shepherd. And if an elder is faithfully fulfilling his ministry and a Christian is following the elder's leadership, then he's following the great shepherd. If an elder or if a Christian in the church is resisting a faithful elder, then ultimately he's fighting against Christ himself. And of course there are are times when the elder is not faithfully fulfilling his ministry. Then opposition to him is a different story if you have an unfaithful shepherd. 
But every biblical elder who is functioning as he should guides the sheep to the great shepherd. We also see in this verse that Jesus is the sovereign overseer of our souls, his church. He's the one who watches over us. He's the one who inspects and guides and directs his church. If you don't understand that, go read Revelations chapter 2 and 3. Because here you have the shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. Here you have the sovereign overseer who is giving instruction to these seven churches in Asia Minor that he is overseeing as the, as the sovereign overseer. And he say, look, I've inspected you, and this is what I found. This is the good, and this is the bad that I found. And this is what I need you to do. He, he is the sovereign overseer of the church. And the function of the elder as an overseer is to seek to do the same. But, but the elder is also one of the Lord's sheep who has been set apart by God to do the work of a shepherd and an overseer. Obviously, the, the overseer, shepherd, elder of a local church, he's, he's not like the sovereign Lord of the church. He's not perfectly holy. He, he, he's not completely righteous. I'm not talking about the righteousness of Christ. I'm talking about how he conducts himself. He, he's, as Don said this morning, he's a sinner saved by grace, just like everyone else. So the question is, how can a man, how can an elder be an effective overseer in a local church? Well, he has to, he has to know the mind of Christ. He has to know the mind of Christ through his word. He needs to walk by the spirit of God. He, he needs to be humble. He needs to be patiently seeking wisdom from the Lord for overseeing and shepherding the church. And that, brothers and sisters, is not an easy calling. I mean, think about it. If, 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 in, in a certain way, we don't have time to talk about it, but you should have oversight and shepherding of your own self. And you should have oversight in shepherding of your own families and those that God has put under your care. It's no easy calling to be an elder, a faithful elder. And that's why an elder must meet the spiritual qualifications set forth in Scripture. He must be a spiritually mature man who has proven himself to be such before he becomes an elder. You know, what, what a tremendous blessing it is to know that Jesus is our shepherd. To know that Jesus is our overseer. And as I said, no elder will ever be a perfect shepherd or a perfect overseer. Jesus is the only perfect shepherd and overseer. But this is the way the Lord has established his church. To have spiritually mature men elders to do his work of shepherding and overseeing the local church well can an elder get out of line can an elder go astray well absolutely 
Unfortunately, it happens way too often. And, and, and Lord willing, we will deal with that in a future message. What happens when an elder goes astray? But God has ordained that the responsibility of God's people in a local church is to submit to and follow the leadership of those who are shepherding and overseeing, the elders. God has established this leadership for the good of his people, his church. And unfortunately, what happens far too often is that sheep who go astray, those who turn everyone to their own way, they refuse to heed to the teaching of the faithful elder, whether it be public or private instruction or guidance. The elder tries to exhort them. He tries to rebuke them and admonish them to turn away from their sin and return to the great shepherd. But sometimes they won't do it. They go their own way and essentially what they're doing when they're rejecting the faithful shepherding and oversight of their elder, what they're doing is that they're, they're rejecting not only the elder that God has given them for their own spiritual good, but they're rejecting the Lord's shepherding and oversight that he wants to give them. If the elder is faithfully doing his work as an under-shepherd and an overseer, and a Christian refuses to submit to that elder, then they're refusing to submit to the Lord himself. And they end up spiritually shipwrecked. They end up finding themselves in a huge mess. Maybe their family's torn apart, facing a divorce, or, or a multitude of any other spiritually based problems. Or they just flee the church. Oh, I'm not staying here in this church. I don't like what the elders are telling me. So they flee the church. And what do they do? Well, they repeat, repeat the same spiritual rebellion in the next church. Or perhaps they just totally disassociate themselves with any assembly of God's people. And it's a sad scenario that has been repeated countless times by many people. Elders must be under shepherds and overseers that Christ intends them to be. They must be faithful to their calling, faithful to the scriptures. And God's people in a local church must follow those elders as those elders follow Christ. And that's what brings God's blessing on a local church. And and my prayer, and I trust yours is too, that, that God would bless us in this. You know, again, we still have to deal with, well, what if an elder doesn't do what he should do? We'll deal with that in another message. But, but this is God's plan for a local church. He has put elders as shepherds and overseers in the local church to do his work of shepherding and overseeing, to, to guide and to point God's people to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. And, and I hope that you will pray for our church in this regard, for both elders as we look to 
establish a plurality of elders and also, you know, that our church would would submit to the leadership of the elders and, and that they would know if it comes to the place where they shouldn't submit to the leadership of the elders. I do appreciate what Don said. I, and you, you, you know, I, I do. I point people. This is the authority, right? This is where you go. This is where you go. And um, to the Bible. And so very encouraging if you if you look at this message it's very encouraging because um this is what god has it, it, it it's not perfect because it's not done by perfect people but this is this is what god has established and um if you have godly elders and and people who are willing to submit to godly leadership then you're going to have rich blessing on god's church Father, help us to understand the scriptures, to apply them, to rejoice in the truth that you have given us. Help us to grow in, in our understanding, in, in our willingness to adopt and practice the truth as you have revealed it in the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen.